0: Joe, Joe, Joe. What, Kane? What, Joe? Did Kane. I tell you what's going on?
1: Uh, I never know what's going on. What's going on, Kane?
0: Well, if this is the month of June and you're listening to this, uh-huh. we're doing something awesome. No way. Yeah. So you remember when you guys
1: let Chris open the door? I remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember too. Well, it's
1: weird that you remember, but but continue.
0: Well, here's the thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. I just found this out. Internet Kane has been working with you guys to do something amazing, and I'm pretty impressed with it. You guys have been doing a charity stream on Internet Kane's Twitch channel. It's true. I don't know all the details though. No. So I was wondering if you could kind of fill me in on what the details are.
1: So yeah, here's the thing. It's- Somehow your your virtual lawnmower man self was able to access twitch.tv and was able to create a streaming account at twitch.tv slash count underscore cannula and uh, play video games. Uh, some of the logistics of this, I, I don't know how any of that works, but that happened. So Kane streams video games at twitch.tv slash count underscore cannula, and we decided because I have direct access to uh to internet, Kane, to do a charitable stream for Transform Cincy.
0: What does Transform Cincy do?
1: They provide wardrobes and, and clothing free of charge for trans and gender nonconforming youth in Cincinnati, Ohio. And where? Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: That is amazing. It's so
1: good. They're doing great work, and we've raised a ton of money for them. And this event will culminate in you seeing our physical forms broadcasting live from our moon base.
0: Wait, wait, do I get to be involved? You get to be involved. I By physical form? Yeah. Or are you just saying that and it's actually going to be internet, cane?
1: I don't know how to answer that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because the last I checked, you guys disabled all of the video cameras that were in here.
1: Well, no, I, I think what's going to happen is... We're going to have to put you into a a clone form that isn't going to be upsetting to society that looks a little more human. Oh, so
0: I get to actually be there.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just can't look like a a multi-tentacle crustacean abomination.
0: Oh. I mean, that's a little sad that I'm not allowed to do that, but I understand, yeah, you know, it's for charity. Exactly. Well, that is super exciting. Yeah. So when exactly do I get to be interacting with the world?
1: Thursday, June 24th at 6 p.m. Eastern time so consult your local time zones for how that applies to you
0: that's so awesome
1: and and we don't have live so there's a real good chance that some combination of at least Kane and I will be around a little bit earlier than that doing some kind of very erotic pre-show
0: <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs>
1: And if you want to donate to this wonderful cause in the meantime, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash podcast or twitch.tv slash count underscore cannula. That's ko-fi.com slash podcast or twitch.tv slash count underscore cannula. Hello friends, welcome to Brainworms, the podcast where meat is money. I'm Joe. <laughs>
2: I'm David.
3: And I'm Chris.
1: Uh Kane will not be joining us today on account of uh we had to put him down.
3: Yep. I'm kind of curious though. What was the reason
2: for having to put him down? Like what did um, he do that
3: was out of character? Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry, worry about, about
2: it. it. Yeah, it's it's fine. I think he had to just be on the internet. Yeah.
3: Um no, but I mean like he's he's just always been cane though, so like what in particular did he do that was so bizarre?
1: Uh he got drunk and broke things.
3: Uh, on, on moon beer.
1: On moon beer, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. That's funny, oh. I don't remember that happening. You were asleep. It's
2: fine. Don't worry about yeah. it too much. It was a, a lot of moon beer.
1: A lot of moon beer. Moon beer was enjoyed by all. Yeah,
2: yeah. Love that moon beer. Yeah. The
1: smooth beverage that tastes great i don't know (laughs) but anyway today we're gonna be reading mazes and monsters no way
3: yahweh oh yeah i see what you did there joe (laughs) (laughs) sounds good a 1981 cautionary novel about the dangers of dungeons and dragons Yup, dungeons and dragons now here's the kicker i have something to add to this real quick yeah of course my mother came to visit, came to visit on the moon, of course.
2: <laughs> ah, yes.
3: And so she was in the kitchen and I was saying like, oh yeah, so I was, I was pointing out to her I was like, here's this, 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 and I'll, also if you need me, you'll have to like text me because I'll have my headphones on, I'm playing d d with my friends, mm-hmm. and we started talking about D&D and I, I mentioned how the origins of it was kind of troubled because as far as I was, as I understand Gygax was had a very particular idea of what he wanted D&D to be which was a meat grinder and you know that didn't mesh particularly well but when I said like it had some trouble in the beginning and she said was it a cult stuff. so like this this stuff is still around yeah the satanic
1: panic of the 80s has largely like obviously there are still reactionary conservative types that just want to ban and cancel everything like that
3: ideology is still out there and hey don't forget my movement of i think that it is profane that animals are naked so i'm putting (laughs) together a body that will capture animals and put clothes on them so we don't have to look at their genitalia because that's a sin well yeah okay
1: don't we're not associated with any ideas that he has ignore him
2: why is it in cartoons animals are only ever wearing tops when that's not the part you really need to worry about that's true because pants implies that there's something to cover
3: up (laughs) when there's no pants and there's nothing there then there's nothing there
1: i guess that makes sense
2: yeah Uh. that's, that's there are implications there probably for the furry community
3: (laughs) i wouldn't know anything about the furry community no
2: i know very little about the furry community
3: the less you know the better
2: (laughs) oh jesus speaking of satanic panic
3: yeah (laughs) but yeah a a 1981
1: novel about the dangers of dungeons and or dragons
2: you know it's funny I got into D&D as a kid, basically like at 12 or 13 is when it first came onto my radar. Right. And uh, I really wanted to play. And my mom was super against it because of all the things she had heard about how it was, you know, possibly linked to demons and demonology. And mom kind of took that stuff seriously. I didn't grow up in a christian conservative household style thing but But she was uh,
3: cautious of the
2: world in general yeah and she had a weirdly spiritual nature where she was cautious about those sorts of things in particular Mm. so yeah dungeons and dragons was a hard sell in my household for a long time
3: funnily enough how how i got into it uh, i'm sorry were you finished
2: yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that thought just sort of fell right off the wheel there. <laughs> <laughs> it must be the Dungeons and the
3: Dragons. Yeah, the magic's getting to you. Um, so
2: Failed my I check. grew
3: up thinking that Dungeons and Dragons was evil, blah, 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 blah. And then when I went off to a Christian college, um, you know, also I'm, I'm, I'm doing homework and, you know, a guy knocks on my door, a buddy, and he comes in, he's like, hey, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you want to come? And I was, like, confused, like, wildly confused at first, but that's Satan's game, and, like, why are Christians (laughs) playing in a Christian college? And then I was, like, they're okay with it, and I suppose if there's any environment to test something that is, like, Christianly dangerous, it's in a Christian college, (laughs) like. Right. Right. So I tried it out, I was, like, oh my god, this is completely harmless.
2: Yeah, the first time's free. Although it would have been wild if you
1: had actually summoned a demonic spirit. Asmodeus. (laughs) Beazelbob. But yeah, this stupid, stupid book inspired a stupid, stupid movie, which is one of the only films that Tom Hanks is ashamed
2: of. (laughs) And that's Tom Hanks. He was in Splash. He was in Splash. I love Splash, actually. That's a great (laughs) movie. (laughs) Mazes and Monsters, not so much
3: right quick shout out to the spoonie fans who's seen his Maze and monsters review yeah. that's how i was introduced to it
2: it's pretty good oh wow i wasn't familiar with that
3: spoonie's earlier stuff is good he's in a spot right now mm-hmm.
1: yeah he went kind of off the rails and then yeah a lot of things happened but yeah we're gonna get into mazes and monsters and you know if you're a parent out there then maybe you can prepare yourself for the dangers of uh of that and uh, why you should keep your kids away from it, because they'll turn into fucking nerds and then make <laughs> podcasts. And nobody wants that for their children. And nobody wants that. But before we get into that, I should remind you to go to WeGiveYouBrainworms.com, where you can uh, find ways to support the show with both your money and time. And you can jump into our funky fresh goddamn discord server
3: which i have turned notifications on so you can talk to me yeah
1: i'm in there a lot too so and and kane is often in there when a new one gets
2: printed or however that plays out i actually popped in there the other day just randomly and oh nice yeah i didn't post anything but chris and i have been being eccentric
1: in there a lot right on in the last couple days so i guess that's as much preamble as we need probably more than we need yeah 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 it's a good you, session zero. Yeah, yeah, nice. I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, you're you're ready for this? Uh, <sighs> let's do it.
2: <laughs> Mazes and Monsters, a novel. Rona Jaffe for Zeke. Prologue: The game. Spring, nineteen eighty. In the spring of 1980, a bright, gifted student at Grant University in Pequod, Pennsylvania, mysteriously disappeared. Vanishing students were not unheard of, particularly during the stressful period before final (laughs) exam time. I wonder if there's really a Pequod, Pennsylvania. But this case was different.
3: Wait, wait, hang on vanishing students aren't unheard. Like you, you should look into that. Dropouts is one thing, but vanishing students, like the word vanishing, that that has a lot of weight to it. I mean it, it was the
1: 80s, like the very early 80s. It was a little easier for someone to just drop off the grid and like oh and yeah move to another state or go backpacking in Europe for a year and just kind of vanish.
2: Yeah I mean if the stress of finals is getting to you and all of that shit and you just decide to off yourself or suddenly disappear into the woods mm-hmm. they might find your body later
3: well, i mean you have roommates right like like they're aware of like oh yeah no he was packing up his things the other day i don't know why finals are like
2: next week i mean you can definitely find shit if you're gonna vanish you're probably not packing your shit yeah you're just gonna step away
3: right that's still gotta be like so much of a minority that like vanishing students was not unhurt like that that implies commonality I'm sorry, I, I made a whole mess of
2: that. <laughs> the hell of a hell to die on, Chris. <laughs> when the police were finally called in, it was revealed that the missing student was one of a group at Grant who were involved in a fantasy role-playing game called Mazes and Monsters. Oh, shit. Played with nothing more than a vivid imagination, dice, pencils, graph paper, and an instruction manual. Mazes and Monsters is a war game with a medieval background. So you're telling me
3: that all I need to summon
2: Satan is, like, mathematicians' tools? (laughs) I mean, historically, that seems to hold up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In which each player creates a character who may be a fearless fighter, a treasure-hunting sprite, a magic-using holy man, or a wily charlatan.
1: I like how hard they're filing the serial numbers off so, Uh so the
2: TSR doesn't sue them. The point of the game is to amass a fortune and keep from getting killed.
1: I mean, really, isn't that the point of life
2: in on our current system? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the well, point. Well, I mean, fortune, it,
3: Fortune, as we define it, means money, but like, fortune could just mean like life experiences.
2: Yeah, amass a fortune, amass a, a future, amass a... a...
3: Acquire good things and <laughs> avoid dying.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's your <laughs> wisdom. From the brainworms, kid. Yep. Gather good things and avoid <laughs> dying.
1: <laughs> nice things are nice.
2: Yep. The characters are plunged into an adventure in a series of mazes, tunnels, and secret rooms run by another player, the Maze Controller. <laughs> the Maze Controller.
3: How is that nerdier and lamer than <laughs> Dungeon Master?
2: <laughs> you get to be the MC, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Henceforth, you all must call me MC. <laughs> MC
1: Beholder.
2: <laughs> the mazes are filled with frightful and violent dangers. Monsters who can kill, maim, paralyze, and enchant the players. That is what danger implies. But if the players can kill, maim, trick, or stop their assailants, they can take the fabulous treasure that awaits hidden in the maze.
3: What if there was a DD and d where the most dangerous monster gives you a rash?
2: What made the students' disappearance so ominous was that the police discovered this particular group of players had begun to act out their fantasies in a real environment, taking the game to the underground caverns near the university campus. The caverns had been banned by the university as off-limits in 1947, when two students, amateur spelunkers, were lost there and died. Spelunker's a funny word. It, It really is. Their bones were found three years later, now, in 1980, the police cautiously began inspecting the dangerous caverns again, but stated they were quite sure that no one who was lost in there could still be alive. None of the other students would come forward to say they were part of the group that had played the game with the missing student.
3: Oh, those kids... Wait. Wait. <laughs> uh, what? It was talking about the spelunkers, and then... Did, did it even mention that the kids that played in the Pequot Caverns got lost? It just... It, it went from the spelunkers to... No one would admit that they were the ones who played with the kids who got lost.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is a weird way to structure that. Like, the the Mazes and Monsters players were playing Mazes and Monsters in the cave.
3: Spelunkers got lost. <laughs> in
1: 1947, people got lost in the cave and their bones were found. And then very abruptly pivoting back to the Mazes and
3: Yeah, it's a weird
1: way to structure that, yeah.
2: Well, I think it was just illustrating that the caverns were off-limits and why. And that right. they were a danger. I think really the problem here is that the book just straight up flew right over the most important thing, which is that what really went wrong here is LARPing. (laughs) Yeah. LARP kids. It's (laughs)
3: It's all fun and games till you get hit with that lightning bolt. That's right.
2: Big foam
1: sword. You could also make a compelling argument that the failure was not mazes and monsters or LARPing, but not securing an apparently dangerous cave. Right. Right, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, when you, as a community, look at a zone and say, don't go in there, you'll die, and then people do, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I I mean. I guess that's true. (laughs) None of the other students would come forward to say that they were part of the group that had played the game with the missing student, as the tension-filled days wore on. The Mazes and Monsters case became both a cause celebre and an embarrassment around Grant University. D&D is always an embarrassment. Yeah. (laughs) Reporters came to interview students and professors, trying to understand what was now revealed as an obsession with a game. An obsession that had turned into something sinister.
3: Are obsessions ever not sinister? Um,
2: sure, sure.
3: I mean, like if if it's if it's an obsession that's not sinister, that's like that's like a fixation. I mean, I
2: suppose.
3: Obsession, as always, to me at least, implied detriment.
2: Yeah, I mean I suppose if you are obsessed with something, you are putting it at the forefront of everything which can be dangerous. So obsession definitely implies an element of danger.
3: And if you if you dial it back a bit, then it becomes a fixation. And a fixation just means that you're Highly focused on something,
2: but not to a detrimental degree. Yeah, I guess there's uh, passion and obsession on two different sides of the same coin there. It's a perfectly harmless game, one student protested. I mean, people who think that stuff is real are just nuts, but often a defense seemed eerily ambiguous. What? It's a game that doesn't require anything more than imagination, one student said. It's inside everybody. You just have to tap it.
1: That's equally true of... books (laughs) books <laughs>
3: Hey, we all know books are dangerous, Joe. That's true, they can be. I mean, if, if you hit someone really hard
1: with one, I guess you could in, injure them.
2: I mean, you could beat a guy to death with the Sunday New York Times if you cared enough. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to tap it.
3: You just have
1: to <laughs> tap it nice.
3: I do like the like the I, I I understand the language they're trying to use. I was raised in the environment where people framed this sort of thing and they knew how to pick words specifically to frame it in a nefarious way and like it's in everyone you just have to tap into it yeah that sounds bad but like yes everyone has an imagination and yes you can manually activate
2: it to do specific things well that's why the book describes it as eerily ambiguous (laughs) (laughs) one student wrote a letter to the university newspaper the grant gazette I know Mazes and Monsters is a very popular game on this campus. I played it for two years. But last summer, I destroyed all my $100 worth of equipment.
3: Oh, no! The game (laughs) takes
2: control of your life. You change. I strongly warn anybody who is thinking of starting to stop, and anyone who is playing it to quit before it's too late.
3: You know that is true. Ever since I started playing D&D and you know, I like be walking outside around moon people cuz I I do leave the house. I swear. I I don't I'm not I'm not a, a homebody that never leaves. That's not true. Don't believe what you've been told. And I and like if I hear someone rolling dice like like gambling just takes me back to when my half elf orc ranger died. I still
2: remember the flames. All right. <sighs> Thanks for sharing that part of yourself. <laughs> I know that had to be hard.
1: Um Now, I know, as someone who did research about Dungeons & Dragons for this episode, that there is a lot of stuff to throw money at. It it can be a very expensive hobby.
2: Joe, don't lie to the people. You didn't do (laughs) research for Dungeons & Dragons for this episode. (laughs) You know it's been a lifetime study, sir. Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, But the text
1: of the book has told us, that all you need is an instruction manual,
2: dice, pencils, and graph paper.
3: Hey, graph paper is expensive, Joe. That's
2: all you need. And that's all you need for D&D in the real world right now. Uh-huh. But it doesn't stop people, like... I mean, I wish I had stopped at $100 worth.
3: I mean, realistically speaking, all you need is two people. You don't even need the paper or anything. Just, like like, you need someone to pose a puzzle and the other person to solve it.
2: Sure. Really... All you need is love. Dun, da, 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 da.
1: Yes. But if I, were, if I were unironically reading this book, my first question would be, well, what did they spend $100 on if all they needed was, was those things?
2: Cloaks and shit, so when you're in the cave, you look <laughs> cool? That's fair. Eh. Perhaps what was most disturbing about this case was something that was on every parent's mind. These players, the ones who had gone too far and the one who had disappeared... Could be anybody's kids. I mean, I think we know whose kids they are. Bright young college students sent out to prepare for life, given the American dream and rejecting it to live in a fantasy world of invented terrors. Why did they do it? What went wrong? Because the invented
3: terrors are less horrible than the reality.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But for the friends of the missing student, the ones who would not come forward to reveal themselves such a question seemed trivial and meaningless. This was their friend. They knew what had happened. They knew it had, in different ways, happened to each of them. And they knew that no matter what anyone said, what had really happened was much, much worse. Part 1. The Throw of the Dice. Fall, the year before. Chapter 1. JJ Brockway was the first of his friends to arrive back at college after summer vacation. It's a stupid name. He was always the first to show up anyplace and the first to leave. A combination of his need to be properly prepared and his fear of being left by someone else.
3: That's that's anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Is what that is. Also, his name sounds like a name in a song like
1: JJ Brockway. Or the name of a cartoon squirrel. <laughs> or the
3: name of a car. Or an attorney. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Need cash now? Call J.J. Brockway.
3: Were you injured in an (laughs) 18-wheeler vehicular accident?
2: Got a structured annuity? (laughs) Small and lithe, with a pointed face and a halo of golden curls. A 16-year-old sophomore with an IQ of 190. An undisputed genius. The son of rich, rather famous, successful parents in New York. He knew he was exactly the kind of person the other kids at Grant Grant would think was weird. What? And so, being not only intelligent, but a survivor, he had turned everything that could have been a disadvantage into an advantage. He was different? Good. He would be eccentric. He was too young and too small? Good. He would become adorable. He was out of step with the masses? Perfect. That kind of person is meant to be a leader.
1: This person sounds deeply annoying, and I would not want to hang out with him
2: jj's ambition was to be a movie or television star or if that failed at least an actor he knew he was meant to do comedy he had chosen grant because it had a good acting school but more importantly despite his parents you're
3: in mazes and monsters
2: (laughs) (laughs) with his marks he could have gone to harvard or yale but he had chosen a relatively unprestigious university which none of his parents friends had ever heard of for some reason (laughs) whose good acting school had not turned out one famous star. And then he had proceeded to major in English. That sounds counterintuitive. It does a little. (laughs) That's that IQ of 190 for you. Mm. He had picked English even though it was the one thing that pleased his parent. His father, Justin Brockway, was a brilliant young publisher and editor in New York, and everyone knew J.J. could get a job in publishing after he graduated if he wanted to jj thought he'd rather stick his hand over a lit match than ask the fika light for a job that's a word i'm going to google later <laughs> <laughs> he had a love-hate relationship with his father missing him because they'd never had any rapport since the day he was born and then his parents split up when he was 7 and he went to live with his mother and trying to imitate an him and trying to imitate him in some ways like copying his father's preppy way of dressing Justy his father the boy wonder in cashmere crew neck sweaters and chino pants when all the other executives wore business suits and ties JJ the boy wonder's son who had an even dozen cashmere crew neck sweaters to wear with his designer jeans when everyone else in his school wore plaid shirts with holes or t-shirts with slogans on them Justy at the top of his profession at 35 JJ a college sophomore at 16
3: This guy sounds like he's trying, Mm. and this sounds
2: very (laughs) grating. Be around this person. Yeah, I wouldn't want to have both of them. (laughs) Justy, funny, brilliant, eccentric, and admired. JJ, ditto. And they had nothing to say to each other. Never had. This is not
1: an efficient form of storytelling.
2: No. No, like we're, yeah, we're
3: being introduced to a character. We're. Getting a little bit of their background, how they got to where they are.
1: But but just in terms of like the way that it's using the amount of words it has available to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I don't feel like I'm being jerked I, around. Yeah, I kinda like the flow of this. Really?
1: I don't know. For some reason it, it seems just over verbose to me.
3: Eh. Oh, you were saying it, it is inefficient. Yeah. It is
2: wordy, but I I think it's alright. I don't know. Right on.
3: At risk of sounding like a young'un these days, I'm vibing with it. <laughs>
2: His parents had lived together when they were in college, a rather unusual thing to do in the early 60s. Wait, what? Um, Before they were married, I believe, is the implication.
3: Oh. His parents
2: had lived together when they were in college, a rather unusual thing to do in the early 60s, and then his mother had gotten pregnant and they'd gotten married, which was what people did do. They were both 19 when J.J. was born. He didn't remember much of those early years of his life, an apartment with cracked walls, always filled with people. Nobody telling him he had to go to bed. A home where he learned how to make sandwiches and drink wine when he was four. Where people treated him as a sort of pet. Don't give Something your four-year-old wine. until it wanted too much attention. And then they said, sit. Yeah, their, their brain's not dry yet. They'd had a real pet, too. A large, fluffy dog his mother had rescued from the pound. But everyone said the dog was neurotic, and his father had finally given it away to one of his authors who lived in the country. Then why did you bring it up? Yeah. (laughs) After that, J.J. always had the vague feeling his father might give him away, too. Oh, okay. Because Justy never really seemed to like him any more than he had the dog. We were married too young, his mother said afterward, explaining the divorce. Perhaps explaining how they felt about him. We were 19. A very young nineteen. We just weren't ready for any of it.
3: We were too dumb to use condoms. What do you think where our heads were at?
2: (laughs) We were very high all the time. (laughs) He had been born when his parents were just three years older than he was now. He couldn't imagine such a weight of responsibility. It gave him a chill. No wonder they had felt trapped. But he didn't like thinking about his parents being nearly his age and being reckless and romantic and frightened. And having sex. He preferred thinking about his friends having sex. (laughs) <laughs> his life here at college and his image and the game they would be playing again this fall and of course he had to think about the big problem they needed a fourth player michael had flunked out last spring after final exams and that had made it necessary to replan their entire strategy jj began to unpack as he thought about what they were going to do first he took the cover off merlin's cage his beloved mina bird whom he named merlin because he brought a little magic into my life
3: no, you named him Merlin because you want people to know that you like, Arthurian legend.
2: yeah I thought he named him Merlin because he was going to trap him in a crystal one day. <laughs> Good morning, Merlin, JJ said. Merlin blinked his goofy little eyes and began to whistle. Toot, 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 toot goodbye! <laughs> oh, I love you, JJ said. I love you the best and the most. Talk to me. Kids can't and... talk, Merlin said sternly.
3: Joe, in post-editing, can we just have, like, a two-hour... Loop of David going.
2: Yeah,
1: I can also pitch him up real high.
2: That would be great. I need that in my life. (laughs) This book should stay away from dialogue. Yeah, it's it's a little clumsy. Yeah. JJ laughed and filled Merlin's bowls with mina bird mixture and water made from actual mina birds. birds, yeah. That's super macabre, man. Jesus. The game got to him. Got to him hard. Then he plugged in the electric heater that kept the room warm enough for his tropical bird. Uh, I'm just going to let that one sit there. Yeah. He folded his dozen cashmere sweaters and put them into the dresser drawer along with his two dozen preppy looking shirts.
3: Oh, Ed Wood.
2: <laughs> this is a story of Ed Wood. <laughs> he lined up his collection of funny hats along the dresser top. <laughs> it's me god damn it do you have a collection of funny hats yeah i I definitely have a collection of funny hats that's amazing we need to have an
3: entire room in the the brainworms thing that's just dedicated to david's funny hats and it's just pictures of him with the amish straight face with (laughs) different funny hats on
2: (laughs) i mean at this point it's a small collection i've got like five different Mm. hats that i'd classify as funny Mm -hmm. he lined up his collection of funny hats along the dresser top the alpine hat, the hard hat, the cowboy hat, the sombrero, the <laughs> Snoopy aviator cap, the World War One German helmet, and the Mickey Mouse Club beanie with the ears. Yeah, he's got me beat.
3: I wouldn't want to hang out with this person.
2: Nah, I kind of want to punch him in the nose.
1: Yeah.
3: Pretty sure it's called a pickle hoff or something like that.
1: Ordinarily, I don't advocate bullying, but come on now. The Mickey Mouse Club beanie? What? Chris?
3: no the world war I germanic helmet ah. i believe is called the pickle for it's, it's something like that it has pickle in the name that's how i remember it
2: right on i did not know shiny loafers were neatly lined up inside the closet under his jackets and raincoat and down coat for the for the hateful winters he unrolled his posters of wc fields harpo Marx, charlie chaplin and his true love brigitte bardot and taped them on the walls jj was crazy about older women he blew Bardo a kiss. Stereo components assembled and plugged in. Trala. What? Books and records neatly placed in the bookcase. A nice bottle of Mai Tai mix in case the occasion arose. A bottle of vodka in case it didn't. Six cartons of thin brown cigarettes that looked like little cigars in the back of the closet because people in the dorm stole things. A little bag of Acapulco gold, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, under the mattress. You you know when bullies
3: give people wedgies? Is this a sensation that they feel? Because I understand them now. Like I understand everything.
2: <laughs> Why you would want to give someone a wedgie? Is that yeah, what like, you're like saying? This, like this
3: guy. Like I've never before have I felt more of an impulse to give someone an atomic wedgie than right
2: now. <laughs> pick him up by the back of his tidy whiteies and hang him on a fucking door hook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And saving the best for last, the maps he had made of every Mazes and Monsters game the four of them had ever played, plus his dice, his new graph paper, his already memorized Encyclopedia of Monsters, and his Creature Compendium Advanced Edition 3.
3: Joe, you've played Dungeons Dragons for a long time. Have you memorized the Compendium of Monsters?
1: I don't personally, because I don't have the kind of brain that is good at memorization in that way. I have no nerds that do memorize like monster
2: stats and shit yeah oh okay now he was ready to go downstairs wait for his friends to arrive and figure out how to replace michael last year the four of them had been perfect daniel had been the maze controller because he was a computer genius with a wild imagination
1: i don't know how those two skills correlate but they
2: do trust me yeah 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 computers and imagination i mean back before they took all the romance out of it right Mm-hmm.
3: Well no, it's it's not just that. It's like okay, so you have these setups of all this logic stuff and then the imagination is how do I bend this logic to make right. this function happen? Yeah, sure. That makes sense.
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, creating the ma- the mazes, the dungeons is a pretty uh, logic-oriented task, like right. if this then that kind of thing. Right. But uh having the imagination to think of wild scenarios and then make them logically make sense.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess especially in the early days of, of computing, I can kind of see how that would
2: yeah. kind of tie together. Yeah. Also, Daniel was calm and he was never arbitrary. If he said the king of the gray rats had bitten off your arm, he was indisputably right. You if better you not be dead,
3: arbitrary if you're working with computers. They don't
2: like that <laughs> shit. No. If you were dead, well, then you were dead. He literally killed you.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you die in the game. You die for real. <laughs> Kate. Michael and JJ had been the players. Kate was the bravest, JJ the cleverest, and Michael, well, forget him, he was scooping ice cream at Baskin (laughs) Robbins now. Fuck that guy. (laughs) At the end of last year, they had decided that this year they would all get single rooms, but Michael would room with Daniel and they would use the extra room just to play the game. It would be sacred. Did they just
1: shun people like the Scarlet Letter for dropping out of their Mazes and Monsters
2: game? (laughs) I think that might be what we're witnessing here. Yeah.
3: Wow. So like Michael's like, you know, guys, I, uh, I'm not feeling this college stuff and I don't want to play this game anymore. I want to get a job and earn money. And they're like, shun the non-believer.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm done with college. I'm ready to go and scoop ice cream for my future.
3: <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, given... that's a
1: weird life choice, but I, I don't feel like it warrants the apparent shunning yeah, that like, his, that I mean, his like, friends have given right. him.
3: Yeah what if he just legitimately happens to be satisfied by like getting the perfect scoop and he's happy
2: there. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, like let your friends do what they want to do. Sure. I mean, the, the concern seems way misplaced. Yeah. You know, like, well, fuck that guy. He doesn't want to play D and D with us anymore. I he's guess he's out of my me. life. <laughs> Don't ever speak his name. <laughs> <laughs> we only
3: refer to him as the scooper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: every room had a lock on its door they would have their own fantasy world just for themselves and no one would know where they could
1: masturbate
2: privately
3: real quick david before you start again i i just had a weird thought
2: most of them are but go ahead <laughs> all
3: right so in a fantasy universe where there's someone so evil like you know he whose name should not be spoken that sort of thing
2: which one of those
3: well I, I, there's a little bit of that in lord of the rings right and in harry potter yeah 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. that's an that's an archetype yeah
3: that, <laughs> okay But what if you were in a universe where there was more than one person that had that designation? So you would be like, he whose name should not be spoken. Uh, We are, in fact,
2: in that universe, and I just illustrated your point, I believe, by asking (laughs) which one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I just just like
2: the idea of, oh, you mean he
3: whose name should not be spoken. No, 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 no. I mean he whose name should not be spoken. Oh, I got (laughs) you now. It's all about the inflection.
2: He whose name we must not speak. No, not, not that one. The, the other name that we The one speak. we don't talk about. Ah <laughs> 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 oh, man. They would have their own fantasy world just for themselves, and no one would know. But the dummy had been so involved in the game that he stopped going to classes, stopped studying, and blew it. Nobody would room with JJ. He was too crazy, and he kept his room so warm for Merlin that nobody could stand it. Can you imagine Wayne what he smells like together. just sweating all the time between them which was just as well if you went together and then broke up it would mess up everything to do with living arrangements
3: only if you're really immature and petty that's not necessarily true can't you just look at the situation and be like hey we've got to sit the rest of this out so let's just be cordial to each it other it really
2: like, depends on the people yeah, and the circumstances it really that does can be, like, be a whole thing it can be tough it
3: yeah. can be real tough I suppose I shouldn't speak. I've never been through a breakup. I mean, ideally,
2: yes, but... Sometimes, sometimes, no. It'd be like that. (laughs) Yeah. JJ wondered briefly what it would be like to go with Kate, and he smiled ruefully. There were some people you just knew you could never have, no matter how much you charmed everyone else. How do you... Like,
3: he thought about someone that he was attracted to and smiled ruefully. He's
2: smiling because she makes him happy he's he's fond of her
3: yeah
1: because he likes her and yeah but is also regretting it's it's the ruth no no not ruth rue r-u-e ruefully like regretfully
2: yeah that's why i said okay yeah ruefully so he's regretting the fact that they will never be together
3: wait wait, wait, no no it's r-u-t-h no it's
2: r-u-e r-u-e-f-u-l-l-y ruefully rue regret you will rue the day is that what it was yeah, yeah, 100%.
3: That's right, because I, okay, my confusion was, because before I knew what Rue meant, I always thought it was Ruth the Day.
2: Nah, no, dog. you will Ruth the Day. <laughs> like Rue McClanahan. <at> <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being attracted to older women. Right? Blanche can get it. <laughs> he remembered the first time he'd ever seen her, a year ago at Freshman Orientation Week. She had just parked her car, a little red rabbit with California plates, in front of the dorm and was unloading it. Don't drive rabbits. He couldn't believe a freshman girl had driven all the way across country all by herself. What? She was just his height. yet older than you, fucker. (laughs) She was just his height, which made her five feet five and slender. And she had shiny, shoulder-length brown hair, big chocolate brown eyes, and little freckles. But what was so marvelous was her smile. It lit up her whole face and made you want to laugh. J.J. fell in love with her at first sight and actually offered to help her lug her things up the stairs, a considerable task if she had everything (laughs) you could think of, including skis. Women be packing, right? (laughs) It seemed about ten minutes later that she'd found a boyfriend, and it wasn't him, but she remained his friend. Wait, hold on. Words. Swimming. Um... It was sad when he thought of what would never be, because he was always right about these things, and he knew he and Kate would never be. But he also knew he was the only person who understood her. Uh huh. This is. Uh huh. That's. Unhealthy. That's healthy. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Ooh. Mm. Um. I feel gross.
3: Where is the ejection <coughs> lever for this chapter? <laughs> I don't I don't feel like
1: this book is going to get too deep no, into that neighborhood. No, nah. I think we're going to be
2: alright. No, and this is it's gross not in a like he's leering at her kind of way. Like it didn't really go into other than she's pretty.
3: Right. I'm not sure if this is like the author misunderstanding how this works or if it's his 16-year-old mind misunderstanding how this works. I think
2: it's his 16-year-old yeah. old mind. This book was Written, I believe, by a woman. I do feel like 30 or so years later, JJ
1: would have spent a lot of time on R slash incel, though. Yes, (laughs) yes. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Is is he the proto (laughs) incel? Well, he's 16 right now, remember? Mm. So as he ages, that mindset is what's going to turn him, and being the sort of person that he is, the way that he dresses, what we're seeing is the beginnings of a gamesman right like he's gonna be out there negging people Mm -hmm, and he's mm -hmm. gonna know some card tricks and already has the preppy look down like that's who this kid is right
1: also for the record uh hp lovecraft was the proto incel yes the ur incel
2: if you ur incel (laughs) and i have him tattooed on my arm (laughs) as a zombie nice that's pretty cool though (laughs) There are many
3: things to praise him for, and there are many things to shame him for.
2: Yeah. People are complex. It's gray. Gray.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm just going to cut in here to let you know that we're going to cut the episode here. We recorded a lot of Mazes and Monsters content. Mm Mm-hmm. It may wind up being like a four-episode block, depending on what happens to it in editing. So we're going to end it now, but I am going to remind you to go to Mm wegiveyoubrainworms.com, where you can support us on Patreon, and if you're a YouTube listener, like, subscribe, do all the things.
3: Or if you are stanky, you can come to our funky, fresh Discord to freshen up. It's
1: true. And I'll direct you to the description for information about the charity event that we're doing in the month of June. Chris, do you
3: have anything to add? Uh, no. What about you, David? Uh, hi. My name's David, and I jerk off in the woods with squirrels. I really like Mavis and Monsters. That's nice, David. Yeah. I really like to go to (laughs) David Monsters. It has my name in it.
1: God damn it. All right, this is real stupid, and we're really sorry. I'm really sorry. Ugh. All right, well. (laughs) (laughs) this has been a production of brainworms podcast any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review brainworms podcast is david combs kane magdalene christian schaefer and joseph wells the theme music is hodgepodge number one by brian davis if you like what you heard you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app